everyone, and welcome to the Vookcast, Australia's Nintendo community. I'm Angelo Valdivia, and with me this week are Chris Button. Hello, thanks for having me, Angelo. <laughs> no worries, thank you for joining me, and Oliver Brandt. Hi, it's good to be here. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, we've got a great episode lined up to kickstart 2020, and we're going to talk about Nintendo pl- Nintendo's plans for the year, uh, some games we're hoping to hear more about, and the Vook's top 10 15 games. Sorry. I don't know how to say that, the top 15 games of the 2010s. Completely ruined that one. But first, we're going to talk about Nintendo's Direct. So just a couple of days ago, uh, Nintendo started the, very, the, the year uh, with a Pokemon Direct. It was announced like early in the week, and then it, it broadcast live uh, later in the week. It was Friday morning for most of Australia. I think Western Australia was like Thursday night. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got some really interesting bits of news that came out of that. So first of all, we've got uh, the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX announcement, uh, which is a remake of uh, Blue Rescue Team for DS and Red Rescue Team for GBA. But instead of making two games, it's all being remade into one game. That's correct, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Yeah. And the demo is out now for people. Have you guys given it a shot yet? Have you had a look at this game yet? Uh, I jumped into it um, shortly after it went live. It was very late at night, so I didn't get to look at it too deeply. But, I mean, it's mm-hmm. absolutely beautiful. The yeah. art style that they've gone with is just astonishing. Yeah, it, it looks like um, kind of like, I wouldn't say watercolors, because well, maybe it is a little bit watercolory, but it also looks like pencil drawings. Like, it just looks like it's all been colored in with pencil. Some of the shading are just like pencil lines and things. It's really, really, really lovely to look at. A real, real lovely sketchbook type uh, texture to it, which is yeah, it's right. yeah, re- really lovely for the eyes. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. I did sorry. see somebody. Uh, I did see somebody say that um, it was uh, there was a comparison on Twitter. I can't remember who said it, but um, there was like showing off the original concept art for the the for Red Rescue Team and Blue Rescue Team, and it's like basically the same art style as what they've done the gaming right. now. So it's just a really, really nice evolution of the series, really. Yeah, nice. That's fantastic. I'll have to hunt that down and see the comparison. I'm, I'm curious now. Yeah, that's really, really cool. I really like that kind of thing. Like with the Yoshi games, for example, I love how the mainline Yoshi games all have a completely different art style for the most part. And they're really unique. And even just like the, the audio and everything like that kind of matches the sort of toy-like things that are going on. And I like that Nintendo is doing something similar with Pokemon now. It's really great. It's one of those things that like Nintendo kind of does that nobody else really does is like really stretch the boundaries of like how far an art style can go. Um, mm. And like obviously it's had a bit of ba- backlash over the years and some things like as we saw with mm. like Wind Waker originally that right. wasn't like received particularly well. Yeah, But um, one of the good things about that exploration of, of art styles is that like it does tend to become timeless. Um, mm. So like now people look back at Wind Waker and it looks as amazing as it did when it first launched. Yeah, um, and absolutely. I think we're going to see the same thing with, with games that are releasing now with all these interesting and unique art styles. Like in 20 years' time, it's still going to look great. Mm. Absolutely. And uh, anyone who doesn't like Wind Waker or didn't like Wind Waker's art style at the time is wrong anyway, so we can <laughs> easily dismiss that. But Objectively, I'm, I'm curious. they are wrong. Yeah, objective, in my objective opinion. <laughs> um, but uh, what I'm most curious about with Pokemon Mystery Dungeon is uh, what Pokemon did you guys uh, get assigned? I was assigned uh, Mudkip. I was also assigned Mudkip. <laughs> right. I, I, was, uh, I was assigned Skitty, of all things. Um, oh, okay. So, uh, Interesting. yeah, that, uh, that, uh, apparently I am naive. So, uh, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I, do, I, is it confirmed that the uh, whatever save file from the demo will carry on into the into the full game when it releases? Yep. So the demo is like the the first few missions of the the full game, mm. and when you get the full game, um, you'll be able to continue exactly where you left off in the demo. Um, I love that. That's a trend now. That's really really good. I know that um, uh, Dragon Quest did that, and there have been other games that have done it as well beforehand. But it's really really great that 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 happens. Yeah, Dragon mm. Quest is probably the big one too because they give you like. 10 to 12 hours of gameplay on that yeah, demo and it was just it was insane huge. and that's we, another one that had a really great art style as well yeah nice all right uh next up we have uh the pokemon sword and shield expansion passes um both will be uh purchasable for 45 dollars. so when i say both i mean that um they are separate for pokemon uh sword and pokemon shield um both of them uh, will feature exclusive characters and pokemon for each for either version similar to how the original games sort of run you know that different Pokemon exclusive to different versions. Um, they'll be released in two parts. Uh, the Isle of Armor, which will be in June 2020, and the Crown Tundra, which will be in our spring 2020. Um, as I said, there'll be exclusive Pokemon, over 200 Pokemon from the original series, from, from sorry, from previous entries to the series, um, which I know people are sort of divided on. Um, but interestingly, people without the expansions can also receive these newly added Pokemon via trade. So if, you know, you have a friend who doesn't have the expansion, uh, you can still trade with each other and the person without the expansion can receive the newly added Pokemon that way rather than having to catch them, which I think is, yeah. is kind of interesting. Any, any opinions on that? Yeah, well, also for, for those uh, who are transferring, and I see this as the next point as well about uh, the Pokemon Home app is that here I think yep. for, for people who have those particular Pokemon to transfer via Pokemon Home is that, yeah, they can also transfer those 200 plus Pokemon to either Shield or Sword respectively, you know, without having the expansion pass, which is a super smart, move on uh, game freaks part because that'll that'll mitigate the uh the criticism of you know people saying oh you're charging another 45 australian dollars for 200 more pokemon you've just gutted the the uh, the pokedex so you can charge more for more pokemon <laughs> and that sort of stuff which is uh, simply not the case right yeah i've seen that opinion thrown around a lot that you know it's 45 dollars for an extra batch of pokemon but they're completely missing the entire point that it is an entirely separate adventure as well two adventures even um you know so for 22.50 essentially you're getting what another 15 20 hours worth of worth of story and stuff like each so yeah it's it's kind of bonkers i, I think it's interesting as well that um they've said that both um new areas that are available to explore are both <coughs> bigger than the the wild area in sword and shield and entirely mm. free camera control um oh, so okay. it, it, it kind of feels a little bit like this is what they wanted to do with sword and shield is like have that that open free camera feel but like you know development constraints mean that you can't always have that everywhere um yeah but like having this this extra time to develop these expansion passes means that they can do some really interesting stuff and like from what we saw in the the direct it's looking pretty nice um and definitely mm. much more varied than than the wild area does um because i know that's like a sore point with a, a few pokemon fans is that the the wild area is kind of lacking in its in its variety mm. um but i think both of these expansions are, are shaping up to look really interesting 
Yeah, and um, there's also been the addition of um, new forms for like Gigantamax for Pokemon for the starters and things. I haven't really gotten into the, I, I haven't finished the main story of the game yet, so I haven't got into the whole Gigantamax thing or raids or anything like that. Um, do either of you know any sort of the, the new features coming in that respect? Uh, so each of the, the starter Pokemon will, uh, at some point, I think it's in the Isle of Armor. Um, I'm not 100% sure if it was Isle of Armor or Crown Tundra. Um, mm-hmm. You'll be able to add a Gigantamax form to them. So basically that just means that when you Dynamax, it turns into a, a special changed appearance form and it also gets mm-hmm. a signature um, Dynamax move um, that right. has special effects and is a little bit stronger than a regular Dynamax move. Um, yep. Previously, if you like caught a Pokemon in the wild that wasn't like through a raid, you wouldn't be able to add Gigantamax to it. Like you could only get Gigantamax Pokemon through Gigantamax raids. Um, mm-hmm. So this is a really interesting thing that like you can enhance your starter rather than just having to abandon it and get a whole new starter. Right. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, and, and speaking of which, actually, it's also an interesting concept because um, these expansions will come in place of a third entry to the generation like what's happened before, um, which means that people can continue on with the party and the character that they've already created over their 50 to 100 hour journey as it is. So you don't start again like you would have before in a third entry. Yeah, and I think that like that kind of gives incentives to people for people to continue playing now in between like you know when they finished the game perhaps you know last yeah. month or whatever and like june when this new dlc comes out because it's not going to be wasted time you're like everything you do now is going to contribute to your experience in these um expansions so right yeah exactly and as chris mentioned before um pokemon home uh has an announced window, sorry, has a release window in February, no specific date at the moment, uh, but it is free to download or will be free to download, but some features will require a subscription. Um, I don't have the details to that here. Does anyone know what the, the subscription requirements or subscription features will be? Um, so they've been pretty light on it so far. I think I think they just said that like it will be paid, but like there will be um, um, some features that are available for free. We're not entirely sure what that means. Um, mm. Some people are thinking that, like, maybe you'll be able to transfer Pokemon from previous generations for free, um, which would tie a lot into that goodwill that they're building with, you know, allowing those extra 200 Pokemon without having to buy the DLC. Um, we know that Pokemon Home is supposed to have some sort of online trading in Home. So, like, even if you can't transfer those Pokemon to Sword and Shield, you can still trade them online. Um so it's it's a little unclear at the moment, and we don't know what the price is going to be. But I mean, it, I think anybody could expect that it's probably going to be roughly in line with what Pokemon Bank was, which was like five US dollars a year, so seven fifty here. So, mm, and that's not terrible. You have to be pretty hardcore to the, to, to subscribe, I'd imagine. Yeah, uh, I think like yeah. what uh, the ideal thing would be to do is to include it in a Nintendo Switch Online subscription. Um, yeah, that would make sense. Because, you know, it, why bother having those two separate subscriptions when, like, you could roll it all into one? That's a really good point, actually. I hadn't considered that. That's a really good idea. Is Pokemon Home or Pokemon Bank? Because Pokemon Bank is completely different, right? Yeah. So Pokemon Bank yeah. is, is only for the 3DS games. Right. Um, but, um, so Pokemon Home, is that only going to be on Switch or will that also be available via mobile? Uh, like, so can it's you interact? going to be Switch and mobile and technically 3ds as well but i think it's going to be like a transfer tool where you can just move stuff from bank to home right Um, yeah because i've 
because Luke, uh, who's also part of our team, he uploaded a really confusing chart to um, the Slack team, which he didn't create. I think he found it. It might have been an official Nintendo one, which is just this ridiculous, like, just pipeline of how you can trade Pokemon from all sorts of generations through to Pokemon Bank and then through to Pokemon Home. It's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing is that um, Pokemon from Pokemon Go will be able to be transferred to Home and then into Sword and Shield. Um, So, you know, those thousands of Pokemon you've been collecting over the past two and a half years will (laughs) actually switch over your Meltans and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Chris, did you have any thoughts on, on, any more thoughts on Pokemon or Pokemon Home or anything like that? Not really. I think we've covered things pretty comprehensively, uh, but uh, like um, the both of you have mentioned, um, I'm curious about uh, yeah the the full details for for Pokemon Home you know what the subscription fee will be whether it'll be comparable to Pokemon Bank and uh, yeah when it actually launches because they said in the Pokemon Direct that um, yeah further details will be you know coming out closer to release and considering we're already mid January uh, can't get too much closer <laughs> to release I would have thought yeah that's a good point actually. All right, let's move over to our featured topic. So starting off, we're going to talk about Nintendo's 2020 vision. You like that one? I like that one. <laughs> uh, so confirmed for release so far throughout the year, what we have uh, Dr. Kawashima's Brain Training, which is already out January 3rd. Um, we've got a review for that one up on the site, don't we? Yep, absolutely. An yep. unscored so, review. Uh, was that what the, the, the terms were or something mm, like that? Yeah. Interesting. No, no score on that one. We weren't allowed. Intriguing. All oh, right. We weren't allowed. Okay. Is yeah. That, is that just, a... For some reason, the embargo said that we weren't allowed to give it an, a score, so we didn't. Uh, it's just That's... Nintendo being Nintendo, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my guess is that they're they're trying to sort of separate the whole game from like experience, um, right? But yeah, it was mm. very weird when we when we got the embargo in and that said you're not allowed to give it a score. Um, I don't know how I feel about that one. Um, but next, we've got, we've also got uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE Encore, which as a musician, that name really, really bugs me. That one's out <laughs> on January 17. And Ollie, you're doing the review for that one, right? I am. That will be out on January 16th, I believe. It's... 16, sorry. Right. Uh, the, the, the game's out on the 17th. The review should be out on the 16th. Oh, hopefully. right. Of course. Yep. <laughs> sure. Um, and we'll come back to that one later on in the show. Um, We've also got Darksiders Genesis, which is February 14, so perfect Valentine's Day game there. Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Mystery Dungeon Rescue Team DX, as we mentioned before, will be March 6. Animal Crossing New Horizons, you know, the absolute banger of the year, in my opinion, will be March 20. Really excited for that one. Uh, we've got Doom Eternal also on March 20, so, you know, rest in peace, Doom. Uh, Trials of Mana, April 24, and Minecraft Dungeons out in, tw- in April sometime. I'm not sure what the date is on that one. Um, any opinions on these? Any any excitement? You already know what I'm excited for. Animal Crossing. Is anyone else excited about any particular games? <laughs> I mean, that? I think Animal Crossing is probably the big one there. Um, <laughs> just because you know it's been what like seven years now since the last. Yeah, about one? seven years. I remember the the first packs in Australia um, was just after about a month or two after Animal Crossing New Leaf came out, and everyone was playing that at uh, at packs. Oh, it's a it's a huge game. It's it's one of those things that a lot of people tend to um, undervalue as one of Nintendo's IPs, but like it mm. pulls huge numbers. It sold yeah. better than some Pokemon games on 3DS. So like, yeah, yeah, it's it's no small hitter. Um, and even on yeah. like the DS, I think like Wild World sold like 24 million copies or something. Like it's just absolutely insane how many people play this game. 
Um, yeah, and Wild Worlds was my was my entry to the series. I never played the GameCube one myself. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a fantastic game. Absolutely perfectly suited for for on the go gaming. Yeah, and I think like it's one of those series that does work better as as handheld than it ever would as a console game. Um, yeah, for sure. And I suppose like the beauty of the Switch is that it's kind of both now. Um, mm. So you can play it on the big screen if you want, or you can take it on the go and play it in short bursts. And you know, it's just one of those games that like is it's perfect for the Switch. But I mean, most games are perfect for the Switch. Let's be honest. <laughs> for yes. sure, Chris. What are your what's what are your games that you're looking out for this year? Yeah, of course you can't go too far past um, Animal Crossing New Horizons. I mean, every, everyone's excited for that, or and anyone with a soul is is excited for that. <laughs> a soul um, and a heart. Which perhaps that's why Doom Eternal is the alternative on the very same day of March twenty. <laughs> but um, yep, yep. Uh, as as I mentioned just before we went to air, I'm I'm pretty keen for Tokyo Mirage Sessions because that was mm-hmm. one I did play a little bit on the Wii U, uh, but that was a little bit before I'd really become enamoured by uh, JRPGs. And since then, I've really gotten into the Persona series uh, with Persona mm-hmm. 4 Golden and Persona 5, which, you know, uh, come on, please bring that to Switch other than Pokemon, <laughs> uh, well, Persona 5 Scramble. Sure. Yeah, exciting. But um, yeah, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, again, as we as we say for nearly every game that comes to Switch, perfect game for Switch because yeah, I can just imagine myself you know, enjoying all the flashy battles and the story stuff on the TV. And then when it comes to some of the typical JRPG uh, leveling, grinding and that sort of stuff, I can just play in handheld, just laying on the couch while watching sport or something. So uh, I can definitely see myself, yeah, spending plenty of time there. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon, you know, as we said earlier, it looks gorgeous. I enjoyed yep. the demo and, uh, you know, taking my uh, my skitty around. Um, but uh yeah, uh, that's 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 pretty well me so far. I've I've got thoughts on the the next dot point you've got there, Angelo. But I'll let you lead into that. Yeah, sure. Um, Ollie, did you want to add anything to that? Uh, no, I think that's pretty much covered it. All right. Well, in that case, let's talk about what we hope to hear more about in 2020. So, um, when I was actually writing up this list beforehand, the, the list was quite thin until I had to dig around and find some more um, releases and stuff. And then you know, Pokemon also helped add to it, which is great. But Apart from that list, we don't really know what else Nintendo has in the bag for the year. Um, last year, um, we heard more news about Breath. Well, we had the announcement for Breath of the Wild two. We heard a little bit more about Bayonetta three, and uh, development was restarted on Metroid Prime. Metroid Prime four. Uh, interesting how uh, all three of those just kind of work sequentially there. <laughs> but are there any other big uh, Nintendo games that we are expecting? to either hear more about or to release this year. I mean, we've Nintendo's up against uh, an entirely new generation of consoles at the end of the year. Um, I think it's a, a little interesting, the position that they're in, because, I mean, as you said, they, they are up against two next-generation consoles at the end of the year. And mm. it's not really something you can compete with when you've got, you know, like a, a 15-watt tablet to to work from. Um, yeah. So I think we're, we're more likely to see those... Um, those interesting non-huge games. So, you know, things like Kirby and, and you know, maybe a, like a, a 3D Mario would be fantastic at that particular time of year. I mean, there's been nothing on the front of 3D Mario since, you know, the January after Odyssey released. So yeah, that's right. I would have to imagine that that team is working on something. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because the new generation of consoles, as far as we know, uh, both PlayStation and Xbox with the PS5 and and Series 1X, um, they will be 
fully backwards compatible with at least this current generation of consoles and potentially previous generations as well. We know Xbox has been really hard on backwards compatibility. So Mm -hmm. right off the bat, buying a new console, you've already got like hundreds of of games to to play on those consoles, which isn't always the case when there is a new console launch. Like with the Switch, you know, there was only a few games to play and then previous, uh, the Xbox One and the PS4 only had, you know, a handful of games at the time as well. But this, going into this generation, you, you start with a new system and you've got, all of these other huge games you could be playing right off the bat. So, yeah, yeah I mean, which I think, yeah, um, yeah, uh, you, you go, Ollie. Yeah, I th- as I said, like I, I think it, it it really does put Nintendo in a really interesting position on the, on that front because, like, I, I don't know if it were me, I wouldn't want to be seen as even in the same wheelhouse as those as those companies. I'd want to be seen as doing right. something different, something complementary, as opposed to competing. I think the, the the only real main point I'd say would be a competitive factor and something that uh, you've you've mentioned as as a big selling point, Angelo, for the likes of Xbox One Series X, whatever convoluted title it is, and the <laughs> PS Five with its wonderfully creative logo they've just announced. Um, that uh, uh, you know, Nintendo with with the Switch in particular. You know they've been a real drip feed with the the NES and the SNES uh, sort of online um, services in terms Absolutely. of really drip feeding those games. So a lot of those retro games, which have been more available on previous consoles, including the Wii and Wii U, have not been so much on the Switch. Whereas you know I would love to play you know the the classic Donkey Kong Country games on the Switch. Perfect yeah. for Switch yet again. And I mean, um, like, we had the the like what was it like the twentieth. 25th anniversary or something of Donkey yeah. Kong Country and like there was just nothing they had the perfect opportunity to add like those three games there and just yeah completely nothing at all absolutely crickets so um that being said and thinking of Donkey Kong Country specifically the the recent ones and most recent in Tropical Freeze which obviously has been ported to Switch is that uh as far as what I want to know what someone's been working on is what the heck were Retro Studios doing that entire time before giving the keys to Metroid Prime 4 again or the Metroid Prime series again? I Because yeah. there, there were those rumours about a, uh, what was it, a, a Star Fox racing game or something like that. And, yeah. you know, that, that didn't uh, eventuate to anything in the in the public eye at least. But, yeah, I want to know what, what, what the heck were they doing? Um, that's that's really yeah. the only only question I have. But um, you've you've got a, a dot point on the a run sheet here, Angelo, which prompted very strong, <laughs> very strong reactions from myself. Is that the dot point, and I've got to quote it verbatim: "Games we hope to hear more about." Uh, from my perspective, none. I don't want to hear about anything. I don't want anything <laughs> else to be released for the rest of the year. Let me catch up on the last year. I'm still playing Astral Chain. I'm, I still want to play Dragon Quest Eleven. Can we please just put a pause on the games industry for 12 months? <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I kind of fell off the Bayonetta series after the first one, um, just because I, I don't even know why. I mean, I guess it was because Bayonetta 2 was exclusive to Wii U, and around the time that it came out, like, I was already fully into PS4 and, and Xbox One at the time. So I completely miss Bayonetta 2. But um, I'm still really excited to, or at least interested to see what's going to happen with Bayonetta 3. Like, I hope they still lean further into, you know, that really weird, mature, immature sort of uh, sense of humor that they've got going on over there. Um, but yeah, I, th- I mean, Breath of the Wild 2 is is great and all, but I'm really more excited for Metroid Prime 4, to be honest, because... The most recent one was 13 years ago at this point, and it'd be really interesting to see what a, a, 
a contemporary first-person Metroid game will, or Metroid Prime game will be after this huge onslaught of um, first-person shooter um, innovations over the last decade or so. So what you're telling us, Angelo, is that Federation Force wasn't enough to tide you over? Oh, no. <laughs> nah. get, get rid of that game. Get rid of that game. Absolutely not. No, I do think um, um, Metroid Prime 4 will be will be a really interesting thing to see because, like, I mean, the biggest point for me is, like, I didn't really get into Metroid until, you know, probably three or four years ago. So I sort of missed wow. that that right. sort of huge peak of, of Metroid Prime. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, going back to play it now, it's just after playing more modern games, it's hard to go back to the kind of control schemes that they thought were going to be acceptable back then. Yeah, um, They just didn't really stand up. Um, and there's been a lot of talk of, like, a Metroid Prime trilogy perhaps releasing on Switch before Prime 4 comes out. Um, oh, that's been like a that's been like a, on the wish list for years and years from so many people, yeah. and it's just still never happened. Um, but like, I, I would kind of hope that if if that was going to happen, we'd see a more modern and accessible um, control scheme. Because man, it just it, it it's really rough to go back to that after after all this time. And I think that like yeah. Prime Four really needs to do something on that front because if they go in like you know treating it like it's a GameCube game, then like it, it's gonna it's gonna feel wrong to play. And I think after all this time, it needs to really be done justice. For sure, and um, I really enjoyed uh, Metro Prime 3's controls, at least um, on the Wii back in the day. Um, you know, a first person shooter handled with a, with the you know, IR input, and that that really worked well, I thought. Um, but I don't know how that would work on the Switch. I mean, like. If, if they were to bring that over to Switch in a, in a trilogy or something like that, like would it just be updated dual stick controls for all the Metroid Prime games or would they bring over some of those motion control aspects to it as well, which, again, like I don't know how that would work on the Switch considering that only one of those controllers has an IR input. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but what about Breath of the Wild 2? Like are there any sort of any, any expectations among us about what that game might be or... Um, like I think they're probably I mean, like if we look at it from like a you know the Majora's Mask to, to Ocarina of Time. Um, mm-hmm. If we expect that that's what we're getting out of Breath of the Wild too, like it's probably going to be a, a more contained experience. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think like I know a lot of people will fight me against this, but like I really didn't enjoy <laughs> Breath of the Wild very much because it was too expansive and it was just so easy to get overwhelmed with like what to do mm. next and where to go and all these little things that you could be doing. And I think like uh, it sort of, it lost to me the feeling of experiencing a legend. I mean, that's the series, right? It's the legend of Zelda. But like when you get to choose your own story, it kind of feels less of a legend and more, I don't know, something else entirely. Um, so uh, what I personally like to see is like a much more, directed experience so an actual story mm-hmm. you know story beats to follow um i know a lot of people want dungeons back and i I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be on board for that i mean i don't dislike the way that like shrines work having those like little dungeon puzzles sort of split up and scattered everywhere it's not a horrible thing um but i, I definitely would like a, a much more directed experience because i feel like you can get more out of the player from that yeah no, I th- I I think uh, dungeons would be a, a a better addition. I don't think that they should be the exclusive edition. I don't think we should get rid of um, sort of the 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 beasts, like the way that the beasts worked and things. But I feel like that they could be sort of like what the shrines were in that regard. Like take the shrines, make them bigger. Obviously, make significantly fewer of them and make them like you know the 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 focal point of of 
dungeon exploration and stuff. But then, you know, make some of the the beasts where they work into sort of what the shrines are, you know, kind of just flip those two aspects across. I reckon for me, I think that would be a little bit more of an enjoyable way to sort of progress in the game. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and also, like, mm. let, let Zelda be playable. Like, it's been so long, just... Oh, yeah. She's, you know, clearly competent. She held off, you know, Ganon for a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. Like, let her, let her sure. have her time in the light. Yeah. Um, all right, what about any... Chris, you mentioned, um, you know, sort of the, the Nintendo subscription and... Um, sorry, Nintendo Online subscription and the drip feed, like the very, very slow drip feed of um nes and super nintendo games on the on the service um but you know do we expect anything more to come from that uh you know on the third anniversary of of nintendo online i mean like on the first anniversary we've got the nes games and the second anniversary we've got the snes games i mean what's the next step for the third I'm, anniversary? I'm not holding my breath and i haven't given it any thought whatsoever because <laughs> with the with the with the nes and the, the the snes games because it has been such a sporadic drip feed of games with no no real clear rhyme or reason from nintendo in terms of you know what what we as the consumers of of this online subscription service can expect uh is that i've you know, I've I've stopped checking, I've stopped tuning in because it hasn't mm. been super regular, or there hasn't been a schedule or clear communication about actually what to expect. Which I think I think it would be more palatable, so to speak, if Nintendo were more clear and open with their communication about what to expect. You know, setting expectations for the service to say yes, this this date every month or this date every whatever uh, we will add however many new games or, or that sort of stuff as opposed to you know sort of chopping and changing what they're doing so you know i've i've tuned out i've, I've stopped checking so if they announce something i'll sort of be like oh cool another service for them to ignore yeah yeah that's exactly right and i'd really love to know the reason why nintendo pulled back on a steady release of retro games on their services because for the, the nes um service for the full year every two, every month there were two new games and then as soon as the SNES games came out, they completely backpedaled on that and said that there will be irregular releases. And then mm, we didn't just, get anything for three months. Like, for three months. And we only got yeah. two new games like yeah. on, on, both, on both platforms. It's so bizarre. Really would love to know what, what their reasoning behind that is. But, oh well. Yeah, I mean, coming into the new year, like, obviously we all want things like, you know, Nintendo 64 and all of that. I think... Um, realistically what we're going to get is original Game Boy games at the end of the year and that's about it. Um yeah. I don't I don't have particularly high hopes for the series uh, for the for the the, the service rather. Um yeah. just because of how they've handled really it wants, in the past. Or if Nintendo really wants to just spit on us and make everyone still love them they could just release the entire library of virtual boy games. That I was actually <laughs> literally going to say that in that yeah they'll they'll bring out yeah Virtual Boy online and you have to use a Nintendo Labo kit to to strap the Switch uh, handheld to your oh, face. Well, that's the thing about that. It's like they had they had like this this fun little Easter egg in the the Labo VR of the uh, the Virtual Boy games, but like you don't even get to play them. You get to watch somebody else play them, and it's like, what's the point <laughs> of this? Uh, Maybe it's for the real virtual boy voyeurs out there, those those who <laughs> like that voyeurism of watching other people do things. Yeah. I so it's a real, real niche market. I love those little moments where Nintendo just unexpectedly becomes the drunk uncle of the family. You're just like, what are you doing? Why, why would you do that? 
It's just so good. All right, um, let's move on then. Uh, let's go to the Vooks top. Uh, I did it again. The Vooks top fifteen of the decade. Why is it? Why do we choose fifteen? Why don't we just go with ten? My goodness. Anyway, think, the top fifteen. <laughs> yeah, go on. I think with that we just we all put our games in, and then like these ones were like it was sort of top ten ish, but then they were like ties and stuff. <laughs> so this is where we ended up. Um, there is going to be a, a full article on this going up with a write up mm-hmm. for each game, but we can discuss them now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and actually I should have mentioned before, for more details on some of our previous topics like the Pokemon um, announcements and things, please uh, head over to the Vooks website, vooks.net, to, to follow up on some of the details on those. Um, similarly, with this article that will be coming out uh, soon, like this week or the week this after week, or something like I that. But, the plan, yeah. Right, there we go. So top 15 of the decade. So why don't we choose, I'll run down the list. It's in no particular order, right? This is just yeah, this the is top just 15. This is just completely random order, yeah. Right, yep. And um, why don't we each pick two to talk about very briefly. Um, So I'll run down the list. Um, We've got Legend of Zelda, Breath of the Wild, of course, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2, Mario Kart 8 slash Deluxe, um, Super Mario Odyssey, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, Animal Crossing New Leaf, Tetris 99, Pokemon Go, Super Mario Maker, Super Mario 3D World, Luigi's Mansion 3, Splatoon, the Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening remaster and uh, a link between worlds on the 3DS. Um, interesting that we've got um, Pokemon Go up there, actually, because that's not necessarily a Nintendo game, is it? No. I, I mean, like, that was one <laughs> of those things where it's like, it's not really a Nintendo game, but like, it's Pokemon, so it kind of counts. Yeah, fair enough. All right. Um, well, Ollie, why don't you start us off? What are, what are two games on this list that you think really deserve to be the top 15 of the last decade? Um, I, I think probably the main one that sticks out to me is Tetris 99. Um, mm-hmm. Just because, like, it, it's Tetris Battle Royale. Like, it, it seems so obvious on paper, but nobody did it. Um, mm. And it's just the way that they've supported it after launch with, you know, a competition every single month and new themes mm. and um, relatively cheap DLC for a game that was, like, free for Nintendo Switch Online subscribers to begin with. Like, it's just, it's everything we kind of want to see from Nintendo um, in terms yeah. of, like, innovative new ideas and post-launch support and just, it, it's a really fantastic game and I think it's going to be remembered really really fondly for sure and it's also just one of those i mean it's tetris almost everyone knows how to play tetris it's so so accessible for so many people to the point that when you play this game you don't even have to worry about necessarily like other people that you're playing against apart from the fact that they're throwing junk at you every now and again but you know you can just literally just jump on and just play against yourself you don't you don't necessarily play against the other 99 people or 98 people or whatever yeah and i I think that's like that's part of the charm of it is that like everybody does know how to play Tetris. Um, mm. So like, even when you add this online stuff and you know, you've got junk flying at you and you have to worry about badges and KOs and stuff, it still feels familiar and like yeah. a, a safe thing to be playing. And I think that's a really, really fantastic point for it. Um, mm. The other one I would say is probably Super Mario Galaxy 2. Um it's crazy mm. to think that it it was ten years ago when this released. Um, it feels yeah. like it was like a couple of days ago, maybe. Um, but uh, honestly, like um, it, it's probably like my second most played Wii game, and I mean, what's to say about it? It's just pure Mario platforming goodness, and 
they added Yoshi into it, and that was fantastic. Mm. It, it, yeah, I mean, sure. What can you say? It was, it's a great game, and I'd love to see a port of it on Switch or something someday, maybe. Absolutely, and I was going to bring that up as well. Like, we, we didn't even get, um, like, a, a combined port or anything for the Wii U. Like, they got re-released on the eShop as far as yeah. I'm aware. Yeah. But they weren't like put together in a deluxe sort of package or anything like that. And they haven't been put over to, to Switch yet, which is pretty much criminal in my opinion. I mean, I mean especially because the, like the two best in the entry. In, in the China, series. like the uh, Super Mario Galaxy 1 is on the NVIDIA Shield on China. So of it's course. like using yeah, the exact right. same hardware as the Switch. And it's just like, well, you've mm. got it there. It's running at like native 1080p on the NVIDIA Shield. Like, why can't we yeah. have this? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, Chris, what about you? What are, what are two games that you that stick out to you as the the best, or, or some of the best in this list? Well, it's it's funny that we we've all unanimously mentioned Super Mario Galaxy two because that that was one that I was going to mention as well because <laughs> um and I only I only touched on it briefly for the uh, for the sake of you know having already discussed it, but I think that the fact that we actually got a numbered mainline Mario mm. 3D game sequel uh, speaks to the concept of how strong Super Mario Galaxy was. And I think we we, we say about Nintendo uh, being um, innovative and you know wanting to try new things, pushing barriers, doing things in different directions. But I think it, it's so great that they, you know, there's the capacity to uh, iterate on something that's already there. So I'll use that as a segue to mention Super Mario Odyssey, which I count uh, that's my favourite Switch game so far, uh, surpassing Breath of the Wild. Um, because wow. I, I love I, I love Odyssey. I love its its varied locations and worlds. It's such a a feel good game to play and and a great great game to exist in. And it's just. It's it's so lovely, and using the the logic of the Super Mario Galaxy series, I I would love to see a direct follow up to Super Mario Odyssey because more of more of that, a lot of those really tightly designed sort of Mario vignettes of various levels and various concepts that they they iterate and they sort of spin on throughout uh, Odyssey's duration. I'd love to see more of that because it does things in, in new directions and has so many lovely nods to the the, the series past uh, without leaning too heavily on nostalgia. So, yeah, Odyssey's absolutely one. Um, for sure, and it also gave us like one of the best original songs in a game as well, Jump Up Superstar. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and which, one um, of the weirdest ending songs as well. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's right, I keep forgetting about that one. Yes, um, yeah, I, that just popped into my head now. Now, <laughs> now I'm, I've got that in my head. But uh, then without, um, without wanting to, to sort of delve too deeply into to recency bias, uh, but I was, I was fortunate enough to do the review for Luigi's Mansion 3 for, for Vooks, and it's, it's by, by far, by far and away, the, the best Luigi's Mansion of the series. And I, I loved the, the GameCube one um, on, on launch. Uh, Luigi's Mansion uh, Dark Moon didn't really get onto that on 3DS. Um, I'm not sure if I put that down to my sort of 3DS playing habits or whether the game itself didn't click with me. But regardless, Luigi's Mansion 3 is is so great. And I think for me, I may as well continue on the theme that I really like it when Nintendo do numbered sequels to established 
sort of uh, sort of franchises within franchises, so to speak, or mm. these little universes that they create with the likes of Luigi's Mansion or with you know Super Mario Galaxy and, and that sort of thing, where the, there's already something so great already there pre-existing in in a nice structure. So they've got uh, they've got something there that they already know is a winning formula, and then they further innovate and iterate on it uh so that's that's something that they've done superbly with luigi's mansion 3 and it was such Mm -hmm. a surprising experience for me because it's it's a great single player game but i played through the almost the entire game in in local two-player co-op it was it was a fantastic experience i did the same i played through the entire game with my sister and it was just the perfect co-op game Mm. that's great i haven't tried in co-op myself i've I've been a mean boy and just played on my own, so. <laughs> cool. Um, well, it's, it's great to hear that you guys cho- chose absolute winners. Um, in my opinion, or from my perspective, I really, really enjoyed uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. Um, I mean, I, d- I admittedly had to end up, about halfway through the game, I had to switch to a, a walkthrough and finish the game off with that. I just couldn't work out many of the dungeons um, just because, you know, it was a straight remake of the Game Boy game and those games back then were not particularly forgiving. Um, so they were just very, very difficult to figure out, you know, using certain pieces of equipment to do very, very specific things that I wouldn't have thought of without a, without a walkthrough. Um, but the overall aesthetic of what that game did like, was just absolutely, like, magnificent. Like, the, the art style was fantastic. They looked like little polymer clay figurines just running around in a mm. diorama. Um, you know, with a tilt shift uh, visual style as well, you know, keeping things on a specific plane um, in focus, but, you know, the, the the hard foreground and the background were completely out of out of um, focus was just fantastic. The music, I really love the music in this game. Um, I mean, the way that they, they chose certain woodwind instruments to sort of have that really sort of small toy-like uh, tone to them was, was really, really genius. I really love that. Um, yeah, as a package itself, I just thought it was a fantastic way to to treat some of these classic games. And I really hope that they'll do more of that kind of thing in the future. I mean, as we've seen, they have done something similar with um, Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Um, so hopefully they just they, they keep that in mind uh, when they're returning to some of these uh, classic games. And um, my second pick would have to be Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, specifically uh, the Switch version, mm. just because it really breathed new life into, into what was already probably one of the best games, or in my opinion, would have been the best game on Wii U um and yeah they just brought it out on switch and you know it, it sold like tenfold what it did on the wii u which is fantastic and um you know the online stuff that they've been carrying on with still um the fact that they still brought over four player split screen over the switch is great uh really and it was so soon after the switch's release as well so it really solidified the fact that this was a this was a singular console on handheld but also a, a multiplayer console like when it was docked which was really, really good. Um, yeah, fantastic game. Really, really love Mario Kart 8. Um, I really hope that they'll end up doing a Mario Kart 9 at some point, but we probably won't get that on Switch. But yeah, I, I really love that game. Just on that point, um, I was like, I was never into Mario Kart. It was just one of those Nintendo series that like, I wasn't oh, good at it. Mario. I didn't enjoy it much. Uh, but then like, <laughs> every one of my friends got Mario Kart 8 on the Switch. And I was like, all right, you know mm-hmm. what? I'll, I'll give in. I'll give it a go. And like, I've played probably more hours of that than any other game on my Switch. It's just, it's insane how good it is and how enjoyable it is. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. I really love that game. 
Um, yeah. Okay. Well, in that case, let's move over to what we're currently playing. Uh, this could include games that we're playing for review, preview purposes, everything like that. Um, Chris, why don't you start us off with what you're playing at the moment? Yeah, and uh, I'm actually going to start off by saying something that I hadn't put in the notes just for the sake of a game that I picked up on sale. I think it was on sale during the the New Year sale, which I'm mm-hmm. not sure if it's still going or not, but I, I picked up uh, Katana Zero, which is one of the Devolver Ooh. Digital published games, and yep. I, I played it within the space of a day or two, and oh, wow. uh, it's it's fantastic I, I i love it it's you know awesome you know cyberpunk time manipulating 2d platforming action in in the vein of you know the, the pacing of something like hotline miami it's uh oh it's it's so good i i love every minute of it and mm-hmm. an absolutely banging synth soundtrack <laughs> so give me give me that please uh, and I, I think i think there's meant to be dlc being worked on it uh, because it's um well, I'm excited for that because it's something. Um, it's a place, a universe. I'm definitely keen to revisit, and they left a, a few things open ended as to uh, how things uh, concluded. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's that's one I've been playing for enjoyment purposes for my personal uh, sort of you know gaming time. Uh, as for reviewing, I've been reviewing uh, Aussie Studios. Um, Big Ant Studios' uh, latest sporting title. Uh, they're they're quite well known for their their cricketing games, uh, and of late they've been into tennis. And the latest tennis game released last Thursday or Friday, uh, AO Tennis Two, uh, based on the Australian Glen, uh, Gra- Gland Grand Slam tournament, uh, the Australian Open, um, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting experience because that when the first one released, I think uh, not last January but the January prior, um, it's it, it needed a lot of work at launch. It, it it didn't feel super great to play or control and looked a bit rough. But then after six to twelve months of uh, patching and continually updating and supporting the game, which is something that Big Ant are uh, really. Uh, that's that's sort of part of their mo. They they're really big on post uh, post launch support for their games, um, and AO Tennis Two. Immediately, you can see that yeah, it's it's already taken a lot of what they uh, improved on on the original AO Tennis, and they've uh, yeah they've really taken that on board. And already, AO Tennis Two is a, is a much improved experience. Uh, it's a lot more feature rich. It has a career mode with some light na- uh, narrative elements. So taking uh, a leaf out of like the NBA 2K series where they've got the uh, the my career with the uh, the narratives that have been directed by different people, including one year was directed by Spike Lee, um, and uh, also the the Madden American NFL uh, series that's recently doing story mode stuff as well as FIFA with the journey mode. Uh, so AO Tennis Two does a little bit of that, but I will emphasise it's it's it does feel pretty surface level and it's pretty light. But full kudos to you know a local studio giving it a crack uh, because yeah, for sure. it's it's no no secret that for for Big Ant to compete with the likes of Two K and EA, that's a pretty big ask and a pretty big gap in uh, resources, I would say. Uh, but they've they've done they've done admir- admirably to to even give it a crack i really applaud the um the ambition there uh, as as for the um as for the switch version of ao tennis 2 it is a bit rough um 
in in handheld it's 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 playable but it's not super stable there are, there are there are frame drops that happen pretty regularly uh, it's not super super smooth and it is a bit better in docked um, especially since it released this, um, day one patch but it's it's still not not quite up to, to scratch with the other platforms and Big Ant were kind enough to supply me with an Xbox One code of the game for comparison purposes. Um, so I've been playing a bit of that as well. And on Xbox One X, which is what I've been playing it on, it's it's a great tennis game. It's a great, great game and one of the best tennis games I've played in years since I think one of the old Top Spin or Virtua Tennis games. Um wow. But um, unfortunately, the performance-wise, the Switch version needs a bit of work to get on that same level. So I, I do know for a fact that AO Tennis 2 is, is a great game, but the Switch version still needs performance tweaks. So that, that may be a case of weeks or maybe even months until it gets to that point. Um, but uh, if it does get to some sort of parity with the other platforms, then absolutely AO Tennis 2 is one worth checking out. And my review of the game in its current state will likely go up sometime to today, uh, you know, time of recording on a Sunday um, today or uh, probably tomorrow, Monday. So very soon is when I'll have uh, an official review on that on Vooks. Awesome. Uh, now, AO Tennis is a funny one because when I hear like, a lot of Americans talk about this game, they're always confused what AO means. They think it means adults only at some points. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Um, but just just as an aside, which is the better tennis game? Is it is it AO Tennis or would, sorry, the AO Tennis series, or would it be the Mario Tennis series in your opinion? Uh, especially if we're talking about you know how how it actually plays on a Nintendo platform, <laughs> the 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 Mario uh, Mario Tennis uh, was it Aces? Is that the Switch one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aces. Um, I really really enjoyed Aces and played a fair bit of that. So um, Super Mario Tennis Aces uh, does does hold the wood over AO Tennis 2 currently, but um, with some future patching and hopefully some further performance improvements, uh, AO Tennis 2 will give it a, a pretty good run for its money. Good, excellent. Yeah, it's, it's always good to see that Australian studios are still working on these sort of, you know, bigger games, even if they are sports games. It's, it's really good to see. Um, any more games from you, Chris? Uh, those, those are the main ones, really. Um, other than that, I've just been floating between various games on other platforms uh, finally getting around to the witcher 3 thanks to the netflix series <laughs> oh, of course yeah 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 so many people have been jumping on that lately there's so much so many news stories about it as well um yeah ollie what about yourself what are you playing um so i mean over the, the holidays i sort of um i got into layton's mystery journey which is um Ooh. a sort of successor series to the professor layton series um mm -hmm. it, it 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 plays basically the same as the the, the classic series, you, you know, run around solving mysteries and solving puzzles to solve those mysteries. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's, like, it's, it's fairly good on Switch, but I think, like, that's only really because they spent so much time perfecting it for mobile beforehand. Because hmm. um, it did release on mobile after it released on the, the 3DS. Um, but with mobile, it had, like, some sort of microtransaction-y stuff that was not so great um so to have it on switch is is really great and i've been enjoying that a lot um having said that um i've been deep into tokyo uh, mirage sessions um fe sharp encore 
as it's called. Um, so is it F-E sharp or sharp F-E? Because I've heard two different pronunciations. Um, <laughs> technically, the English pronunciation is sharp F-E, but in uh, Japanese and like the title screen, it says F-E sharp. So Okay, yes, because that would be the correct pronunciation of that in yeah. music. So, okay. Um, so I've been playing that for review. Um, I'm a little bit restricted on what I can say. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't play it on on Wii U. Um, so this is I went into this completely blind. I tried to avoid looking up guides or anything. Um, and I've honestly, it's a real strong love hate relationship with this game that I have. Um, mm. It's deeply weird in some places, and you know, borderline creepy because. I mean, it's Atlas, so kind of what do you expect? Um, but, like, the battle system just absolutely shines. Um, in terms of, like, turn-based RPGs, it's there's there's nothing anywhere near on that level. Um, the, the, the main sort of feature of the battle system is this thing called sessions. Um, and basically, if you get a, a super effective hit on an enemy... Um, other members of your party can jump in to do successive hits. Um, and as you go through the game, you, you know, earn ways to make those sessions longer and stronger and, you know, have people that are in your sub-party instead of your main party join in as well. And um, in the, the Encore version specifically, you have people that, you know, aren't combat characters but still join in on the battles. Um, it, it's just this this fascinating... Um, thing of like you spend you know the first few minutes of any battle like scrambling to try and find out what the enemy's weakness is um mm -hmm. and then when you finally hit that weakness trying to get longer and longer sessions so it has less and less time to hit you um the story yeah i mean again it's an atlas game so it's a little bit too long um and a little mm -hmm. bit unfocused but like it's about Japanese idols and really it, there's so many stories you can tell with that. Um, and I think they do a, a serviceable job of looking at um, what that idol industry is kind of like, because it is through the lens of like a production company. Um, so it's, you know, people that are actors and singers and all sorts of interesting entertainment jobs. Um so you do see like a little bit of that. Um, it obviously is quite um, fantasized. Um, it's nothing at all working in, uh, nothing at all like working in an actual production studio. Um, and I say this as somebody who worked as an audio engineer, so it's it's oh, wow. it's nothing on that level. Um, but I mean, it's it's a it's a fun little like taste of what that's like. Um, I, I will say that. It has the same problem that Persona 5 did for me, and that's that the environmental dungeon design is not great. Um, hmm. It tends to have just these environmental puzzles that don't really do anything other than frustrate you and pad out the runtime. Hmm. Um, in Persona 5, that was like the what I call the mouse puzzles where you get turned into a mouse and you have to avoid <sighs> enemies and do all yeah. that stuff. And like that just turned me right off that game. Um, yeah. In this, there's, there's things where like, you know, you can't step in front of a camera cause then it'll like teleport you back to the beginning of the, the dungeon or, you know, there's like hidden spots that you step on or you have to move like barriers and stuff. And like it, it's, 
it's not bad it's just like unless you know what you're doing already it's going to be frustrating um can you just give us a, a quick rundown on what tokyo mirage sessions as a as a series or whatever as a game really is i mean because i'm seeing because i have no idea about this game I've, I've only seen the announcement sort of materials and things i don't really know anything about the, the story or anything what is what is the the relationship between it and something like fire emblem okay so it's it's at its core it's a shin megami tensei game so that's kind of like persona kind of like all of the other smt games um mm-hmm. so it's got that that gameplay but like some of the characters and the themes and all of that that's all taken directly from fire emblem so mm-hmm. you have like fire emblem characters like uh tiki and Krom and even like some more obscure characters like uh navari or virion um throughout all of the the fire emblem series you've got these characters that have been sort of plucked out of that world and and placed into um into modern day japan basically um yep. they appear sort of as mirages which are like built from entertaining energy um it's, it's a bit silly um and are they pop stars somehow uh so so there's like this this weird parallel where like you know they're from an older age where like when they were performing and stuff like that they they were um um it was sort of set up like modern day performances um right. so like characters like uh tiki is i'm not sure how much i can say on this but like there's a lot of parallels between like who Tiki is and let's say somebody like Hatsune Miku um just to sort of <laughs> people will know what I'm talking about if I they're have, interested in this no game. idea but sure <laughs> yep um, <laughs> it's just that, that sort of like virtual superstar kind of thing or like let's say like okay. the gorillas for example think of okay. each of the Fire Emblem characters as the gorillas they're not real but they're there <laughs> and they kind of perform music okay. with you um okay. Very Japanese. Yeah, it's extremely yeah. Japanese. <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting okay. for the Gorillas crossover DLC pack. <laughs> oh, uh, yes, on that topic, um, it does include all of the DLC that ever released for the Wii U version. So that's like a couple extra dungeons, um, more outfits, more songs, uh, side stories, which are a really interesting part of the game. Um, <coughs> and it does have um, a new set of dungeons called EX Stories. Um I can't say much about them. I can't say how they're unlocked. I can't say mm-hmm. what rewards you can get from them, apart from the fact that there are costumes unlocked that you can't get in the original game that a lot of people are going to be really excited about if they're fans of other Atlas games. Um, okay. <laughs> so hint, 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 wink, wink. Yeah. yeah. That's about <laughs> as specific as I can be, but it, it, if Fair you're enough. a fan of Atlas games and you're a fan of Fire Emblem, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer. Um, even if you're not mm. a fan of Fire Emblem, I'm not that big into Fire Emblem. I only know because I sort of started playing Awakening, and then I have a friend who's really into it, so they kind of keep me updated on the world of Fire Emblem. <laughs> um, but like, even with like very little knowledge, it's been a really enjoyable experience, so... If you if you're a fan of JRPGs in general and are willing to overlook some of the the kind of weird idle super Japanese stuff, like absolutely like give it a go because it's a really fantastic game that you can lose a lot of hours to. Cool, awesome. Uh, any other games you might have been playing recently? Um, I was playing Katana Zero recently as well. Um, I picked it up a couple of days ago. <laughs> um, cool. 
I, I initially I bought it um straight after it came up on the um the eShop because I wasn't sure if it was actually up on the eShop after it was like that whole it's been banned, it's not been banned mm. kind of yeah, thing. That's right. So I wanted to see if it was purchasable and playable. And then it just sort of sat in my library for like six <laughs> months. Um yep. and then like, you know, when you're reviewing something every now and then you need to um you know, have a little bit of a break and I had noticed that I had Katana Zero downloaded and yeah, it's really great. It's <laughs> very difficult, but really great. Sounds like a good palate cleanser. Yeah, for sure. Tokyo Mirage. Cool. Um, yeah, well, for me, I'll, I'll keep mine short. Um, I played some, I bought Gato Roboto. Uh, it was on sale. It was like six bucks or something. So I was like, hell yeah. So I jumped on that. Really enjoyed it. Um, not very long at all. I mean, I, I got a little bit lost towards the end, um, just figuring out where I was supposed to go. So all up, it probably took me about three and a half hours thereabouts. I see that most people are doing it like two and a half to three hours. Um, but yeah, I really loved that game. Really liked the tone and, and sort of the comedic style they were going with that. Um, uh, apart from that, I mean, I've only really been playing non-Nintendo stuff recently. Um, so I finished The Outer Wilds on Xbox. Uh, really, really loved that game. Fantastic game. Uh, really did things to me that I wasn't expecting. Um, but yeah, um, looking forward to to playing something else though for a change. Funneling things down to some smaller games though, because Outer Wilds was a bit of a bit of a head scratcher it's very uh abstract to sort of figure out where you've got to go and things it's not a very linear game at all so spent a lot of time just flying around and crashing into the sun and falling into giant tornadoes and just all sorts of ways to kill myself really um but yeah it was really really enjoyable um let's move over to uh eShop recommendations so as we know if anyone pays attention to the eShop there are always sales going on some of them are really noticeable most of them really aren't anything special at all um, but there are occasionally some some diamonds in the rough, which is really, really great. Um, uh, would anyone like to take the lead on any games that they recommend that are currently yeah, on sale I'll, in the eShop? I'll, I'll jump in and uh, I'll also do a, do a plug for the uh, the website as well because um, mm-hmm, Ollie's, mm-hmm. Ollie's actually a, a part of this in uh, producing a weekly, it's, it's almost a bit of a spreadsheet, a bit of a rundown on every game that's on sale or released on the Australian eShop and it's super comprehensive and I know it's definitely one of my go-to articles throughout the week to yeah, go absolutely. and have a scan and uh, yeah have a, have a look and direct links to um, the the store listing for these games as well uh, yeah, and every, one... every Friday morning I think this yep. this article goes out yep yep mm. So uh, yeah, it's it's something that uh, yeah Ollie and, and Vuk do a terrific job with, and uh, one one that stands out for me uh, this week at, at the moment is is Celeste. Um, I, I actually reviewed this one for Vuk's as well when it first came out, and to mm-hmm. date, it's the only five out of five star game that I've assigned. I've I've never never given a game a perfect score for anything because usually I'm like, wow. oh there's there's some small gripe or there's something, you know, just just not quite, you know, nothing's perfect, that sort of stuff. <laughs> but the 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 whole experience with Celeste from a uh how tight its 2D platforming was uh from its overall aesthetic, its music and just the way it it weaves its narrative through its gameplay it's it's a real function and form sort of game where it 
the narrative feeds into the gameplay. The gameplay feeds into the narrative, which I love, love it when games do that. And Celeste is is such a great example of that. And it's actually 50% mm. off at the moment, which I think makes it uh, Australian $15. Um, mm. I would recommend Celeste if it was 1% off. Uh, it's just a... <laughs> If if you're even remotely interested in 2D platformers with with a challenge, you know, um, if you've played the likes of Super Meat Boy and that sort of thing, or you know, regardless of whether you want challenge in your 2D platformers, there's some great difficulty and accessibility settings to slow the game down or make it more forgiving. Um, and each time you do you do die or fall off a ledge or hit some spikes or whatever, it, it boots you back up instantly at the same screen that you you failed on just at the start of that screen. So it's it's great for jumping in for you know short and long play sessions. And it's just such a wonderful experience and um, one of those games that does a a lovely uh, depiction of of um, uh, mental health and also. Um, just you know, telling a really relatable story with lovely grounded uh, characters. So yeah, pick that one up, play it if you haven't already, and uh, yeah, cannot recommend it any higher. I do just want to point out with that as well that um, the entirely free Seaside DLC um, yes. is is included in that. So mm-hmm. um, absolutely get on it because it will kick your butt, but it's so worth it. Absolutely. It's good to know. It's good to know. Also, the the so some sales end uh, sooner than others on on many games. This one ends on the sixteenth of January. So there are only this podcast should be going out on Monday. So you've only got about three more days to get onto it if you're interested in getting it. Um, Ollie, what about yourself? Um, so I just want to point out the main one is that like basically every single Capcom game is is on sale. Um, some of them are like 50% off, like Resident Evil, Resident Evil Zero. I know a lot of people were really concerned about the price when those launched because $40 mm. for a single game when you can get, you know, three games for for the same price on every other console. It was kind of yeah. a bit rough. But um, those are down to like 50% off. Um, the Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy, which is always fantastic, mm. is there. Yes, Okami absolutely. HD, it's just... All of the Mega Man collections, there's there's so much there. So, like, just go into the eShop and type in Capcom because you're pretty much guaranteed to find something <laughs> you're interested in. Um, and also the the first three, uh, also the Capcom games end on the 27th. So it's about two weeks-ish. Um, mm-hmm. But I also wanted to point out that the, um, the first three Trine games are on special. Um, I had the pleasure of reviewing Trine 4 recently, um, mm-hmm. and it was just an absolutely wonderful experience and um i would strongly recommend anybody that's even remotely interested in that to check out the first three trying games they're all absolutely amazing um and those are all on sale until the 20th as well so got a got a few days in that's great awesome all right uh let's move over to the release forecast to finish up the show so Coming up uh, between now and the next episode, so we're looking at doing these episodes fortnightly, so between now and the next episode, we will have uh, Dr. Kawashima's brain training, which was already out, which the review was up on the site, no review score, as we discussed earlier. This is an interesting one, To the Moon, which came out about eight years ago, eight, nine years ago, thereabouts. It was a PC PC RPG, um, really interesting concept. Uh, It was sort of like Eternal Spot, Eternal, sorry, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind uh, about a man who, or a couple of people who go into someone else's dreams. It was a 
I believe it's a dying character's dreams or something like that. And they kind of just walk through and, and experience the story from that perspective. Really interesting game. I remember it was the topic of many discussions when it came out. Um, but yeah, not really seeing a lot of people talking about this one, but that comes out on January 16. And um, of course, there's Tokyo Mirage Sessions uh, FE Sharp Encore, which is out on January 17, with Ollie's review up on January 16. So look out for that one. Um, anything anyone wants to add to that? Uh, I don't think so. It's it's a pretty light time of year for releases, just because it's January yeah, and sure. everybody spent a whole bunch of money in December. So people know that like <laughs> releasing stuff in January isn't probably going to sell all that well. Um, yeah, it gives gives people like Chris uh, some time to catch up on their backlog. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, in that case, let's let's finish up this episode uh, there then. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, thank you, Ollie and Chris, for joining me this week to talk uh, about all sorts of. Uh, Nintendo topics um, over, you know, recent news and and over the last ten years even. Um, where can people find you guys uh, on social? Uh, I am on Twitter as at Chocobalt C H O C O B A L T. Yeah, Twitter is good for me as well. So I'm Bibby Boy. So that's at B I B Y B H O Y. Very complicated name. I'd love to know the history behind that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to follow me, I'm at Mangelo. That's M A N J E L L zero. A bit annoying, I know. Mangelo was already taken. Um, but apart from that, thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll see you next fortnight. Have a good time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.